0: Hello, everybody. This conversation, as always, this show, a weekly show to get you to think deeper about the Christian worldview, what we believe, how to defend it faithfully, and then live it out well. The conversation we're going to have today, as the topic described, and maybe why you clicked on this video, I think... What we hope for you to see is maybe what the church is missing a little bit, uh, what the church can get better at, not saying every church is doing this, but what the church can get better at doing and how we can come alongside and help the next generation truly disciple them in their faith. So joining me, as you see there on the screen, is Jeremy Bannister. Uh, He is a pastor of 20 years at the same church, been in really youth ministry that whole time and really saw a lot of the problems that we're going to talk about today in his youth ministry and as he was raising up his kids and really learning from his experience with his students as well as his children children on what we can do. Jeremy is also joining me at the Discipleship Begins at Home Conference on July 23rd and 24th. We'll talk about that more, but he is the keynote speaker. I'm just one of the breakout session speakers. So Jeremy, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your passion with us of discipling the next generation. Thanks for being here.
1: Well, thanks for having me. I'm, I'm excited about being here. And ironically, believe it or not, today, marks the the day I was hired twenty years ago at this church, That's so right. this is literally my twenty year anniversary, so I'm so glad to be here. great way to celebrate
0: absolutely yeah i I remember that when I was like kind of planning for this, and we had the conversation two days ago. It's like, hey, this is actually on the anniversary. I should mention that, and you know you can see how I remember to mention that um <laughs> <laughs> But anyways, that's OK. Um, it slipped my mind till about two hours ago myself when
1: I was talking to somebody else. I was like, oh, my goodness, it's been 20 years. That's pretty awesome.
0: That's awesome. All right. So so what we're really kind of jumping in, like, let's kind of just jump in and help people understand, because sometimes I, what I don't want people to see is that we're making this huge statement. The church is missing something. And then like it's this kind of bait and switch. So really kind of let's jump in to this. What we maybe see as the problem so that we can get to what a solution might be. What is kind of missing from the church and why we're having this conversation?
1: Well, I think, I think what we what has happened, uh, and one of the things, you know, we talked about me being here for 20 years. I think one of the things that has helped me be better at diagnosing some of the, the things that I've seen is the longevity that I've been here. And we talked about that a couple of days ago when we were online. Um, things that I wouldn't have seen if I'd just been in ministry for five years or 10 years uh, in, in one place or moving around from one place to another. I've been seeing a drop-off, much like we see every place else. Uh, you've seen the statistics. I've seen the s- statistics. I can't even say that word very well. Uh, but um, you've seen those statistics that say somewhere between 66 to 88% of kids drop out of faith. And I think that we, we have a lot of ministers, myself included, who want to see that changed. And one of the things that really threw me for a loop is is being a part of all this for the last 20 years was looking at 12 years in, 13 years in, I went back and looked at my rosters of people who had graduated. And I was still seeing something similar to those same st- statistics, somewhere between that 66 and 88% falling off. And I'm trained, I'm committed, I'm, I'm 100% in with, everything that was taught me coming out of college because I I needed the training coming in to say, how do I make disciples of of young people? I have a passion for youth. I have a passion and it's grown. I'm I'm now not just the youth pastor, but I'm I'm the co-pastor of the church here. And the, uh, the ideas behind that, I'm just not satisfied with that type of drop-off because these aren't statistical numbers to, to just merely say because of the shock value. These are people. These are people that I care about that have gone through my youth ministry program, been in my church, and they're no longer in the faith, or maybe they never were in the faith when they came through. But I built relationships with them, and I was wanting to see them stay in connected in faith, and they didn't. You know, uh, and obviously it's not everybody because 66 to 88% means that you're going to have somewhere between 12 and 33% who are staying faithful. Um, and but at the same time, my my desire was to say, what's wrong with this? Because I've been looking at these statistics, at least in ministry since 2003, and they And they've stayed static. They're, they're the same that they were back in 2003. And. My my contention, and and the thing that that bugs me is this: if we're doing a good job, you know, as ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ in training up disciples, I don't think we're supposed to see that type of drop off. I really don't. I mean, uh, Proverbs twenty two six says, "Train up a child in the way he should go; when he's old, he won't depart from it." Um, and so, if if we're training them up, they shouldn't be falling away. Not pro- a Proverbs, not a uh, a Bible promise. You can't claim a proverb. Anybody who's out there saying, I claim this proverb to be my own, it it doesn't work like that. Proverbs just a wise saying, but it's a general truth. It's a general truth, not a general falsehood. Uh, And so knowing that that that's the case, we shouldn't be seeing such a huge drop off. And so if the scripture is right, which I believe it is, then our training has to be wrong. And so there's this exploration that took place, at least for me, um, about a dozen years, dozen years to about fifteen years in, that really rocked me to the core of who I was as a youth pastor, how I'd been doing things, and, and just wanting to see that paradigm change. And so, you know, that was kind of my awakening to this this issue being more than just an academic thing.
0: Yeah. And I and I appreciate that because I think each person (laughs) excuse me, each person I talk to, right, will offer, um, it's the same kind of problem that we see, right? And there's different ways of going about solving this problem. And and they're not necessarily all wrong, right? There's some good ways of of hitting Mm -hmm. the problem in different ways. And so I've had this conversation before. But one reason why I'm really excited to have this conversation today, and hopefully if you're listening, don't click away, don't leave, and be like, oh, well, Ryan has talked about this kind of topic before, is I think that you kind of address this in a different way than what I have seen before. And it really hit home with me as I high school teacher is that you kind of relate to a solution similar to me as a teacher teaches. And Mm -hmm. it's not what we normally see in youth ministry. It's not what we normally see in the church. And so it is a slightly different kind of solution that you have, as well as there's some resources that you have that you can also give out to parents and different things like that. And so um, I appreciated that. And when I shared my heart of of Mm -hmm. what experiences that I have seen in the church where a student says, look, I've been in the church for two years and I know everything. And it's not because... They think that they're like arrogant and they really have learned everything there is to know, but like they've been a Christian for two years and it's already on repeat. Uh, What is being taught in the church is very similar already. And you kind of offering some insight into this and why this is happening. I thought like, wow, that was really interesting. And so that's why I love and I'm really excited for this conversation. So maybe if we can kind of jump in um, kind of to the problem and some of the solutions as well. One thing that came up in our conversation that I was really, uh, I loved kind of hearing is this idea of kind of what? We expect students to be able to learn what we be expect them to know, uh, and how we're kind of maybe falling short in that. Could you kind of speak into that area, uh, answering this question of like, what can they know?
1: Yeah, I, I I think that's I think that's really one of the big questions to ask, right? And yeah. so, if if I were to ask any of the parents or any of the other teachers who are out there right now, you know what. Can somebody know at a certain age or what should be expected of them to know? I, I think that when we think of the church, we don't think of it in that way. Uh, we think of that way if we're thinking in math or if we're thinking in sciences or we're thinking in uh, something that they're learning in school. We, we have some sort of baseline, if you will, uh, that says this is what they ought to know. Uh, in that area, but if we really think about the church and what's expected of them uh, in the church, there really isn't any type of expectation uh, in general as far as the church goes. Really, what we've done is we've made attendance the great way of saying this is how we were we are discipling our kids by attending all of these things. But if we thought about what are they learning, what should they know, what can they know, none of those questions are really being answered. No matter what church you're going to, I don't care how big the church is or how small the church is, I would I would venture to say maybe 90 to 95% of the churches aren't really thinking in the mindset of what my child can know at any given age or or where they are in the faith, depending upon when a, a family enters into uh, a church relationship. So you may have kids coming in for the first time you know at at an older age and and still saying well what 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 should they know? Where should they be growing from this this area?" And yeah. I think that these are the questions that pop up that we really don't have answers to in general in the church because we have a paradigm that's been created and uh, of course, you know at when we get into the conference, I'm really going to go into depth about how this paradigm has been created uh, and and it's it's not easily seen. It really isn't easily seen. It's not something you think about within the context of, man. If I just went to a church, I'd be able to see it. Once you see it, I don't think you can never you can never unsee it again. But just walking in and looking at it, and trying to look for it, I think it's, it's a harder thing to find.
0: Yeah. It- So that's what I I just found so fascinating and interesting as as we had our initial conversation is is comparing it kind of like to education, where, look, as a high school teacher, I have standards that I have to follow that are kind of statewide Mm -hmm. standards. And so I have to say, look, I'm teaching 10th graders. There's a way in which 10th graders should be able to read and understand information. And so I structure my class and write my way, uh, write my tests to a 10th grade level. And I do it differently for my 11th and 12th graders with the goal that by the time they graduate high school, if we have followed this kind of standard of what they learn each year and building off previous years, they go off into college and they're actually ready for college. And then the colleges are, there's a similar way to they're they're ready for the working world. And we don't see the same thing in a church. Now there's, I want to bring up kind of the reason why, and I think this is very interesting, Mm -hmm. but we don't see that. Like, what do we expect? The adult believer who's grown up in Sunday school classes, their whole, like, what should they be learning in elementary Sunday school classes? What should they be learning in junior high? What should they learn in high school to where when they're an adult believer, been in the faith for 10, 15 years, what should they know? Like, I know what a student should know after 12 years of education. It's very clear, it's laid out. But we don't really see that same thing in the church. Now, I'm kind of curious of, you know, because you, you speak into why that is. and And, the, and it's a very... I think it's a good reason maybe why and why it's difficult for us to do that as far as new people coming in. Um, so how, how can we go mm-hmm. about this structured way of how, you know, getting people to, to understand what they need to know at each level, so to speak?
1: Well, I, I think there's, there's a couple of things that, that need to take place. One is on, um, if you will, this, this presuppositional level uh, is, is kind of how are we treating church? Is church a training ground? With expectations that we should have for learning and growing and being equipped to be, to becoming mature. And I think that there's a part of this, part of this equation comes down to the attitude in which we've grown up with church. We treat church, we treat church or youth group and, and the activities and, and the other things that come about with it more as an extracurricular activity. And in, in the sense that, You know, I've had many parents talk about, you know, if you if you don't do well in uh, your classes, then I'm going to take youth group away from you. Well, taking youth group away is treating it like an extracurricular activity, which which hits at the whole idea of is this really a training ground? Because a training ground has standards. Even in an extracurricular sport, you got standards in which you're trying to to um, stand up to and say, okay, we're trying to achieve this goal. And the only way we're gonna achieve this goal is through our practice and through knowing our drills and and knowing our fundamentals and stepping into that. I think that that's the part of stuff that we haven't really identified. And so what happens just by by the nature of, of the way that the church is structured is that we end up teaching foundationally over and over and over again, because we're worried about, number one, we're worried about the new person not getting lost because we, we always have new people in the classroom right. uh, a new person in a classroom who, who comes into your class uh, like your class for example it and travels from you know a different a different state a different country uh they're going to come into your class and there's a set number, set standard that says this is they already know the prerequisites that allows them to be into this class but it doesn't work that way. And that puts everybody at a disadvantage. It puts the students at a disadvantage, but it puts the teacher at a disadvantage too. Because how do you teach people with such a wide range of knowledge concerning faith? Uh, You might have some that come from a real faithful family, or you might have some that have never known Jesus at all. And so... The teachers have been kind of forced to, to move in this direction of saying, well, let's just teach foundationally so we don't lose students over and over again. I, I'm on a youth pastor network, uh, which has about 18,000 youth pastors. I posted this out to them and I asked, how do you kind of deepen your relationship with other people? Um, how are you reaching out to parents and the like? And they're like, we're, we're always working to... To make sure that the people that are new don't get left behind, I don't have time to really reach out and help parents in the idea of discipling their kids. I'd love for them to do it, but I don't, I, I don't have time for it because you know their kids are bringing in new people, and while they have a good foundation as parents, you know, uh, with their child, this new person that they've brought. They, they don't know um, anything about the Bible. So I find myself teaching the Word of God foundationally over and over and over again. And to be sure, like, like we talked about, an 11th grade foundation will be deeper than a third grade foundational, but it's still foundational. Right. And what, what happens as a result of that is we have only the set standard that we're teaching foundationally over and over and over again. But that does nothing to them as they leave the youth group and going to college is just utterly unprepared for the onslaught that they're going to be hit with, whether it's just, and it's not even, it doesn't have to be directed by a malicious intended uh, professor. Yeah. It could be, you know, looking at media and being bombarded with stuff on the media. It could be uh, just going to the university and hearing the normal arguments up against the, their faith and being challenged, not, in it, not even in a hostile way, but just challenged and their faith not holding up to it, because they only know the foundation. And when you start getting a a professor quoting Deuteronomy or Leviticus out of context, or or Judges, I actually had a student who um, was taking college classes, and uh, talked to me about a passage in in Judges that was being interpreted totally wrong. She knew it was wrong, she didn't know exactly why, and she said, Mm. "I, I know this is wrong, this doesn't stand up, What's wrong with this? And so we we went through the entire passage or read the extra paper that she had with it. Um, and because she had a foundation that was familiar with the word of God, she knew something was up, even if she couldn't articulate it. Right. Um, most kids don't have that. Most kids don't have just that basic foundation of having to, for example, read through the word of God even one time by the time they've gotten out of high school. Uh, I can't tell you how many kids before I started this discipleship program that I've been doing here at our church for about six or seven years, I could count on two hands in about 15 years period of time, the number of students who had read through the Bible just once by the time they graduated. And three of those were my kids. So um, that's seven other kids outside of that, that had done that. The, The level of expectation that we've had is just so small that that our kids don't have, when I say a foundational knowledge, I'm really talking about basics of faith, what it says in Hebrews chapter five and chapter six, you know, these elementary teachings of the faith. Uh, that's about what they know when they come out of many youth groups, because we keep teaching that foundationally. And yeah. so uh, trying to create a a, a curriculum, a, not even a curriculum, um, a guide, if you will, uh, is something that I wanted to do. But uh, you know, I, I've found myself challenged in, in a number of different ways as well, because like I told you, I, I had hit up uh, about 14 years in, I got hit up with these revelations. And the huge revelation that I got hit with was a, a youth ministry video by Vodi uh that basically called out and said, you know, we have treated in the church our, our youth ministry programs as both the outreach and the discipleship arm of the church. And, um, you know, really it rocked me to the core because I I agree. I mean, that's the way I was trained to do it, even though I know that many youth pastors would say it, you know, the scripture is really clear. Deuteronomy chapter six, Deuteronomy chapter 11, uh, Psalm 78, uh, Ephesians chapter six. Everywhere we look in the scripture, it's the parent role to equip their children to train them up in righteousness, to raise them in the Lord. Um, and I, I can guarantee you, if you went to any youth pastor, any children's minister, their desire would be to see parents do that. But the problem is, they there's no outreach ministry to parents to help them to do that. Hmm. And that's and that's really part of the problem that I was seeing and I was running into because I run my youth ministry problem. Uh, I run my youth ministry in the exact same way that I was trained to do so, you know, in college. I've got my youth ministry degree and um, I can tell you, honestly, like the metrics we were talking about before, non-existent. Uh, Nobody talks about that when you're in college. They just talk about, um, you know, building a good program that can attract people to come in that you might have an opportunity to disciple them with but actually connecting with parents and helping them fulfill their role of discipleship. It's the desire of everybody there to, to want to see that happen, but nobody actually ever talks about that. I know we had talked about you going to, to school as well. I'd be curious because I didn't ask this question when we talked uh, yeah. a couple of days ago, did, did they, did they do anything like that with you in, in college?
0: As far as like getting the parents involved? Yeah. Yeah. I not really know. Like there's there's minor there's minor things of like, hey, send, you know, more in the educational side of like, hey, I can like teach something in my class and then like give an assignment to my students to where they are going home and having to interview their parents and getting some thoughts and and reflection or something of that sort. Um, But it was not a major focus as as kind of as what we talked about before.
1: Right. And and that's and I think that's the thing that really was shell shocking to me when I was hit with that revelation. And realizing between that and me being a father myself, um, realizing that I had no real way of meaningfully connecting with parents to help them do the thing that God has called them to do. Yeah. And I, I would go everywhere. I, I was looking everywhere for that type of information. I would go to when I went to conferences and uh, go uh, different places, I would look everywhere, I'd go to the parent section for discipleship for their kids. And I read just a, a lot of anecdotal stuff. I, all I mean is you'd read about a story about a family and this is what happened with them. And here's how they helped this child. But nothing instructive, right? Nothing mm-hmm. that, that gave me as a parent, oh, I can absolutely do this. It was more along the lines of, I, well, that's a great testimony. Maybe I can apply that to my life. But our our children, you know, uh, are as different as nine. I've got three kids. They're all as different from one another as you could possibly be. They get along with each other great, but they're really different kids from one another. And they did not come with an instruction manual. And that would have been really nice if the hospital would have sent me home with that, to know that. I've had to learn how to be a parent, just like all the other parents who are on here, how to be a parent. And I've had to learn what it means to be a discipler of my own children first and really that's part of the journey that that you know talking about looking for standards i wasn't just looking for my parents i was looking for myself because i'm like okay i need to know i need to know what 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 to do myself for my children growing up i want them knowing the lord and i'm sure many of the many of the parents who are on this broadcast are saying i want my kids to know jesus and that's why they watch you and they watch other people who who are going to encourage them to um tackle the tough questions to understand the 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 foundation i find that the biggest foundation that's missing in most kids lives is just a just a knowledge of the word of god and so this is honestly where i started at with with my own children is is doing that? Is starting with the Word of God and saying that needs to be built up as the foundation, so that they can do what Colossians chapter uh, Colossians two verses six through eight uh, talk about, Second uh, uh, Corinthians ten one through five, where where it talks about not being taken captive by uh, deceptive philosophies, but to compare those things to Christ. And if if they don't know the Word of God well enough to do that. Then they're already behind the eight ball, and so they need a foundational knowledge of of the Word of God. And so, a big part of me building this in for not just my children, but eventually for the parents in my in my church, because my children become the guinea pigs, um, are the is this idea of what can they know? And I've I've had to relearn what can they know at whatever given age, so that I can challenge them appropriately. Um, And it needs to be a challenge. I think that that's one of the things that, that um, if we talked about, again, this idea of mentality, if we talked about you have homework to do, you know, from church, how many parents would be saying, well, I don't really want my kids to do homework. Right. But there's no other way to know yeah yeah so uh, there, there's no other way to know the word of god than actually getting into the word of god in a responsible manner so that they can know about that and so it takes time it takes some commitment it takes some effort on the part of any parent or any teacher for that matter to walk kids through that but it takes a level of expectation saying you know a, a wednesday night at youth group you're not going to get enough i'm sorry I, I mean i have kids who come in and i'm going to see them maybe a couple hours a week, you know, and you as a teacher get more time with uh, students than I do as a youth pastor. Even my leadership team, my leadership team is going to come in today and we'll be around for, you know, an hour and a half as we're doing training and the like, and we definitely go in deeper. And if all I had to rely upon was the hours I spent here, I still spend less time than you do in the classroom with the kids that you're with. Um, And that's every youth pastor, every youth pastor is that way. So to get that training in i I feel like as youth pastors we are in some respects we're very ill equipped to be that discipler we need to be that support and we need to help those who are actually discipling uh their children which are the parents but that means a framework change we have to change the paradigm of where our focus is in ministry and um that's a huge thing that's a huge shift um, in mindset change
0: Yeah. And I just think it's so, so valuable to think about because, you know, the question of like, what can they know and challenging them to go deeper than what we think that they can go. It's like in my classes, as I talk, as I talk to parents and tell them what I teach and go over my curriculum or just random people that I, you know, at church or on the street or wherever. And I go, here's what I teach. They go, you teach that to high schoolers? philosophy of ethics and comparative religions and worldviews and a historical mm-hmm. Christian doctrine and apologetics. And it's like, yeah, I teach it to high schoolers. They can they they can understand it. We talk about metaphysics and epistemology and, and mind-body problems mm-hmm. and all this kind of stuff and they get it. And there's ways that we can break it down and 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 hold them to that level. And to think that they they can't understand that. It's like, well, we put them in AP physics and we put them in AP chemistry and we put them in AP calculus and AP statistics. And then we expect them to only be able to memorize little Bible verses or something like now, that's not everyone. That's kind of extreme. But I think that's kind of what we see happening in this expectation to go above and beyond at the same time. I think it's so important what you mentioned is that youth pastors, I think are dealing with a very difficult problem is that you have students in the youth group who are born and raised in the church, who have gone through stuff who are mm-hmm. maybe in Bible classes in Christian school and have a deeper knowledge of Christianity. And then you have the kid who just showed up this last week is maybe in public school is not part of a Christian family and knows literally nothing. And so if you teach a youth group service, like, to the level of that 10th or 11th grader who's grown up in the church like you would teach like an AP chemistry you're going to lose that new student they're going to be overwhelmed yep. and they're and they're walking away and so you don't want them to walk away and so you teach at their level but now the person who's been there the whole life is not getting what they really want and this is the problem that we're seeing in my school is because of covid we've been online and now we're planning to go back in person. And so it's like, hey, we have a chance to kind of rethink how we're doing things. And we're trying to rethink our entire chapel service because the problem we've had and the complaints that we get is that there's a lot of non-believers in my school. And so we are trying to preach the gospel and we're trying to help them understand the basics. And the Christian students are sitting there going, I've heard this, I've heard this, I've heard this. And then right and then we want to give them depth but then we lose everybody else and so we're trying to come up with a system where you know we that we've proposed to how can we do discipleship and in-depth study with the believers who want to be there but then also have this chance with the non-believers and so we're trying to make, kind of create this almost like a division but not dividing them completely to to be able to reach both camps really with what they have and it's difficult It's hard. And I think this is what leads that student at the summer camp a few years back that tell me, I became a Christian two years ago. I've been in youth ministry for two years and now I know everything. Because about two years later, from right. freshman to junior year, we're now on repeat because we're just sticking with the foundation. So it's a very, it's a difficult problem. It's a real problem that youth pastors yeah, are having is. to to deal with. It's not just like youth pastors, figure it out. Like, that's not what we're saying. Like, just deep, teach deeper stuff. There's a real issue and a balancing act that's been trying to be made. And that's what your plan is trying to kind of solve is how do we best come alongside and get both of these jobs done?
1: Well, and I think, I think one of the things that we have to do is we have to leverage this idea of parents as being the disciples of their youth. And, and I think for too long, the conversations concerning youth ministry and parents ha- have skewed toward this idea that they're enemies of one another that we have actually and i can i can just speak from a youth pastor community uh uh standard and i don't mean enemies like we hate them or anything like that (laughs) i'm I'm talking about enemies in in the sense of we want to see the kids grow in christ but we we would say we look at the priorities of parents and the parents don't want their kids to grow because they have all these other commitments that they're fine with having but but not committed toward Things of the faith. And parents on the other end are, are thinking this, they're thinking, but I'm bringing my child to every one of these youth group uh, activities, and I want to see them growing in the faith. And that's why I'm bringing them to the youth group so that you guys can, can help and teach them and help them learn. And then you have that third layer that you just mentioned of saying, but then when you get into the actual place, there's such a right. wide range of, of differences that it forces many to teach on that foundational level where you end up with students who after two to three years think they they've heard it all when there's such a robust knowledge of faith that they haven't even scratched the surface of by just talking about the elementary things. Um, and so how do you, how do you fix that problem? And, and when I say that, that we've been, we've kind of pit youth pastors and parents against one another, it's by, by only looking at it through a programming eyes. By by the idea that the youth program is the discipleship of the youth, and it goes back to that paradigm that that Vodi had talked about and and challenged me that if it's the outreach and discipleship arm, this is what happens: we teach foundationally over and over again. We want them there, but then we get kids who are coming in who hear the same message for two, three, four, five, even up to seven years, right? In our youth ministry programs, and and at the same time. We start viewing parents who take kids away from the youth ministry programs as as subverting the possible discipleship that goes on rather than partnering with parents and saying, look, if I make my my goal to partner with parents and to help them to disciple their children, then it's a win win rather than a win lose. Right. Right. and, and that's, uh, that's really, I think, the mindset that has to change. But a lot of things have to change with that. Like, for example, the importance of youth ministry kind of kind of changes and goes down, right? If I have a child who's being uh, discipled by their parents and they're not going to be here during basketball season as a, pas- as a youth pastor, if I know that mom and dad are discipling them seven days a week, that's better than what I'm going to be able to do with them, you know? And I should be rejoicing with that because even if they don't show up at youth ministry uh, on a Wednesday night because they have basketball conflict for a season, I still know they're getting this at home and they should be growing in their faith. But the problem is most of us as youth ministers or even as children's directors, we're not spending any time with families, giving them uh, an actual um plan if you will of this is what your child can know this is how you're going to encourage them going forward we're going to put this in your hands because God's put this in your hands because it's really not my hands I I will be accountable as a pastor uh, before God for the equipping of saints for their works of service Ephesians chapter 4 that's what I'm supposed to do But I'm not going to be able to stand before God and be accountable for somebody else's child. I'm accountable for my own children and how I raise them in the Lord. But I'm not accountable for, and I don't mean this in a flippant way, but I'm not accountable for some of these other kids who show up at my youth group and then afterwards. Depending upon the size of your youth group, there's just too many relationships to build to have any quality discipleship opportunities of any measure for any youth pastor. Uh, and, and just further, again, it just further complicates. These are all these complicated issues that have been set up because we have set up uh, uh, a model, if you will, within the church that largely excludes the very people God's charged with raising up in the Lord, which are the parents. Yeah. And so we just made a very... Uh, Uh, concerted effort, especially around 2014, 2015, and beyond that I've been working on since then, of saying, let's create a plan for parents. And and not just parents, but parents uh, of uh, no matter what age your child is, no matter their knowledge level, even if they've come to church for the very first time at 10th grade, let's create some plans that, number one, hold them accountable to a higher standard saying this is what you can know right and and let's see what happens as we challenge students and we challenge parents to be those disciplers that they were called to do but let's give parents the tools that they need to be able to do that and and i can honestly say that what we've seen in our youth group is just a huge difference our youth group isn't as large as it was when when i started all of this under the programming guys but i can say this the last three or four years since we've been doing this, um, I can honestly say I've had sixth graders coming into my youth group, having already read through the entirety of the Word of God, having an understanding of it. So, I, and, and it started with my own kids. And I just want to tell everybody out there, my kids aren't special. This isn't be I, I'm, I'm sincere when I say that, Mike, uh, well, you're a you're your pastor. And of course, your kids were just drilled in it. No, my kids aren't special. My kids are as normal as you're going to find out there. My my son loves Super Smash and will tell you a bazillion things about Super Smash. He's 19 years old. He loves <laughs> playing Super Smash. Um, we go out and he'll sit down and he does it this new DLC character just dropped down. He plays <laughs> piano. He has a great, he's got a great personality. He, he enjoys doing stuff. My, my oldest daughter just got married. Um, and was just in here a few minutes ago in the same room that I'm at. Cause I'm at our church. Um, and she works at our daycare that we have here. And, um, so she's having a great time doing that. My youngest daughter just turned 18. They're all as normal as you can find. They're not your, you well, they're awkward because they're my children. But um, <laughs> they they're not they're not cloistered kids. They're not they're not in in such a way where you feel like, "Oh, well they only spent time only doing Bible stuff this whole time." We were just intentional. We built a plan based upon that intention. And and so we wanted to help parents be a part of that plan and yeah. and say, you can do this too. So my kids, they came in at sixth grade knowing the word of God. And can I tell you, and I can tell you from the leaders that I have here who have seen the transformation over time, the, the kids who are coming up with parents who have followed through walking their kids through the word of God, walking them through all of the disciplines that we're focused on uh, within the training that I, that I have for them, they are much more prepared to tackle those tougher questions that I know that you put out to your high school students and the like. We cover those, we talk about those, but we have a foundation where we're going back to the same place again, which is really nice to be able to say, they have an understanding. I'm not sharing it to them for the first time. These scriptures that connect these thoughts together, they can understand it because they have that foundation of faith. First of all, first and foremost in Jesus Christ and understanding the scriptures. And then from that, adding to apologetics and, and uh, worldviews and, and different things that we walk through to help them uh, to grow in their, their discipleship. But this has largely happened because of the fact that we um, have said, parents, you're the key to this. You're not the enemy. And so if your kids can't make it here, we still want you discipling at home, Yeah, you know, because it's not about the youth group. It's about discipleship. And, and when you make that paradigm shift, from being about a program to being about discipleship, um, it it just it changes the whole outlook of everything. Yeah. It really does.
0: Yeah, you know, and I want to bring up an illustration that you mentioned that really hit home with me as a high school teacher, because I think you know that conversation, as you mentioned, happens a lot of like, hey, how do we get the parents involved? And but then there isn't really the structure to do it. Um, and you you mentioned the idea of parent-teacher conferences right? To where like, I am am responsible to teach my students. But at the same time, I meet with my parents twice a year and I sit down with them and I say, look, here's how your student's doing. Here's where their grades. Here's where they're struggling. Here's where they're excelling. Here's what we're learning. Um, And then try to come alongside and try to see like, what are they doing at home? How can the parent come alongside the learning process to where it's not just me and the student, but to really get the parent involved. And you see different kinds of parents. Now the students who are really struggling, I'm emailing and talking to the parents a whole a lot more than the parents right. who are doing really good who sometimes show up and i just have good stuff to say and then they go okay wonderful everything is going well but there have been parents where it's like okay so what do you suggest what can I do differently at home? How can we do this? And I start to ask questions. Well, how many hours are they playing video games? How are they doing this? Why come they're falling asleep in class? Are they getting enough sleep at night? And we start to look at these other habits of how the parents can get involved in the learning process. And you asked me a question when we had our conversation and you said, when was the last time pastors sat down with the kids' parents to go over a discipleship plan for, with their kids? When's the last time a youth pastor met with the parents to say, here's how your kid is doing. Here's where they're excelling. Here's where they're struggling. Here's where the plan is going. And how can you come alongside in this plan that I have? And now I don't know every youth pastor and I don't know a whole lot of youth pastors, but I thought about that. I go, I don't know of anyone doing that. That never happened to me in church. And we recognize that Mm -hmm. to be a, a fundamental, a very important thing. Now it's not fun. I don't know what teachers love parent-teacher conferences. Like, it's not like, yeah, I can't wait to talk to all these parents. But we recognize it as being a fundamentally necessary thing to get the parents on board in the process of their children's learning and development in our classroom. And you brought that example up of of talking about the importance of getting parents involved and using that idea of like, how many times has a pastor sat down with a parent to talk about the kids? Maybe it happens, you know, talking in the lobby of the church or something, but really an intentional, here's the game plan. Here's where the class is headed. Here's where we're Mm -hmm. going. Here's where your kid's at. Here's where they're doing well, struggling. Um, So what does that look like for you?
1: I I sit down and first of all, I, I try to start the conversation with parents and let them know that we have a plan for them. And so um, that involves us sitting down and having like a one and a half hour, two hour conference time, where we can initially lay out the plan and and talk with them about how to involve their kids with that. And then now, periodically- can I, just, uh, can I just cut you off here really quick? Sure. Sorry about that.
0: And I think what's important to point out is, is that that's less overwhelming, right, for the parent like when it's like, here's my curriculum, here's what I'm teaching. How can you come into this versus like, okay, parent, this is your job. Do it. Why aren't you doing it? Right. It's, right. it's so important that first step of saying, here is our plan that we have. Well, here's what we're doing. Right. And here's how you can come into it. So, sorry, I cut you off. Um, in, oh, no, you know. no.
1: And, and that's what we try to, that's, well, because I've, I've walked this. I, I talk with them in the same way that I'm talking with you that because we don't have a plan and we haven't had plans. I'm not holding them accountable, but I am trying to create an accountability that says we have something here for you that's going to help you and and walk you along the way. And, of course, that means we periodically uh, follow up with them. I try to follow up about once a year with the families that I have here to find out, hey, how are things going? Are we walking through the planet? Are you running into any problems? Uh, are How far along are you? And um are you are you behind where you think you ought to be, or or where you're at right now concerning uh, your child's uh, faith? What can I do to encourage you to to step into that? Um, and so we talk about those types of solutions. A lot of parents have just been the parents that I've sat down with mo- more than not have been so thankful of just saying, "I I've, I've just never seen anything like this before. I've never I've never known to do this, so I didn't know what to do." Therefore. I didn't know what I could do because one of the things that by not having all of this and, and the, the standards that have been set forth, uh, you know, as far as our programs are concerned in church is the ones who get left behind are not the kids who, um, who are the fringe kids who may or may not really give their life to Christ. They may be in the program for a good time and not a long time, but, um, the, uh, it's the kids who are who are faithful who come, who, whose parents think that, hey, they're learning all they're supposed to learn in youth group or in their Sunday school classes, when in reality they're just they're learning on this different easy level. And if you never have that conversation with them, then how do parents know that they're supposed to pick up the mantle? Right? Other than if you give this charge at church and you say, I really hope the Holy Spirit convicts them of it, you know, I, I I don't understand because in every other area of life, we, we plan for things. You know, we plan for success in, in uh, other areas. So if, as a teacher, you're planning for the success of your students in all of the classes that they're in. And you make those plans. And, and the funny thing is in changing the paradigm shift in our heads to, to get to that of um, discipleship within the church, we have to change our mindset. Because nobody thinks of mathematics. Like if your teacher gives you math homework, you don't say, oh, you know, they're being really legalistic about this mathematics, right? (laughs) Oh my goodness, they're so legalistic concerning math. I can't believe that they would give you homework and expect you to do it exactly the way that they're telling you to do it, to give you that grade. (laughs) And yet, the the irony is you know just speaking on the other end of this uh, the other end of this issue to really get the mindset uh, of our parents together on this if we're going to see church as a training ground there's going to be homework and it we need to see it as a training ground because discipline and discipleship is not legalism us saying you need to be in the word of god and and having a plan for you to go through the word of god with your kids is not legalism; it's discipleship, and I think that's that's a mental thing that we want to get in our heads. We we oftentimes want, as parents, I want my children to fall in love with blank. Now I I noticed that you had uh, a little uh, uh, Colorado Avalanche uh, jersey that you oh, yes. put on yes uh, on 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 your Facebook because of what you were you know you're expecting and you're going to have that. He's gonna be discipled, or she's gonna be discipled as a Colorado Avalanche fan. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and you're not gonna feel <laughs> and you're not gonna feel guilty about that one bit, are you? You're gonna say you're gonna grow up. Look, like I'm wearing my Clemson National Championship 2018. My kids all have memorabilia and gear. And and the and, and I bring this up in jest, right? Because we don't have a problem discipling our kids up in our favorite sports teams. And it's that's what it is. That's exactly what it is. We're discipling them. We're discipling them to like this team over another team, to know what their rivals are. To, and the, the more they're into it, the happier we are as parents, especially as fathers. We're like, yeah, they like my team, right? But that's all we're doing is we're discipling them. Yeah. We have to have the same fervor when it comes to the Word of God. And so by setting up the standards for parents to step into, we're trying to ensure success for the children who are coming in. And... Um, and and I like I said for me it's it's a huge mindset thing that for for youth pastors on the one end and for parents on the other end uh, I think for youth pastors not to see uh, parents not bringing kids to a program as being the end all be all of discipleship but, but the parents on the other end of saying you know youth group is not just a fun time. There's something to be learned when you're there and and there's supposed to be a growing set of expectations in the Lord that I need to be applying to your life so that you're going to walk and know Jesus. Yeah. And if we can lay that out for parents what those steps are, we ensure that we ensure a better chance at success. It's never going to be 100%. There's always going to be wayward kids. That's always going to happen. But the hope and prayer of what I'm I'm wanting to see coming forward is to flip the script on what we're seeing right now. Instead of saying seeing 66 to 88% dropping out of faith, I'd love to see 66 to 88% stay in. And, and I think that it's an intentionality on our part as, as ministers and on our part as parents to say, I'm gonna take this seriously. I'm gonna make sure that my kids can know. And going back to what you had said concerning sitting down with uh, families, you know, I, I can honestly say that every pastor I've ever asked concerning families saying, when do you ever sit down with families to create a discipleship plan for them? Nobody has. And I'm not saying they don't exist, but nobody has ever told me yes. Yeah. Nobody has
0: ever told me Yes. And it, it's definitely hard when the youth group is big and you got a couple hundred kids and you got to try to sit down with all those parents. It's a difficult thing to do. And it's already a busy job, right? So it's not like youth pastors I, are sitting around just twiddling their thumbs trying to figure out what to do next. It's like, it's it's a busy thing. And so, again, I think there's a lot of understanding, right, that can happen here from both the the parent side to understand, like, what's going on in, sometimes in youth ministry, not all, but in youth right. ministry where the pastors are dealing with a very difficult situation of trying to minister to both the brand new believer who knows nothing and the... Christian who's been there the whole life is, well, as you know, kind of how do we come alongside in that understanding? And so sometimes it's done very well. You know, like, for example, last week I talked about the Maven immersive experience that I went on where where students are given homework. They have to read certain books and they have to take tests on this homework and then we test mm-hmm. them. We take them to Utah and we actually put them to the test to say, have you been listening? Have you been paying attention? Can you engage in a conversation with someone of the Church of Jesus Christ, Latter-day Saints? And so this is a growing experience. And then you see the kids being put to the test, realizing they don't know what they Mm -hmm. want to know and going, oh, my goodness, I need to figure this out more. And so as we kind of um, kind of do this, I want to make sure that those who are listening, uh, those who are watching, um, we don't want to just leave you with here's a problem Think about this plan and leave you with nothing, right? We want to give you something to think about. So the first thing that we want to be able to kind of give you, or I want to, try to expose you to here, is that this conversation has been a, a preview of what is coming up here in just a few weeks. So I put it up here on the mm-hmm. screen. Oh, that's not it. That's my. That's my statistics. I forgot to change. It should be this. Let's see here. Is this going to be the right thing? There you go. Yeah, you you don't, you don't want to see that of all my analytics. Uh, okay, here we go. Uh, that's my Bible. Here we go. There's the Discipleship Begins at Home conference. So this is a conference that Jeremy is going to be the keynote speaker at, uh, speaking at um, a virtual event, July 23rd, July 24th, uh, as well as I Will Be There and other speakers, Christian, Monique, and Elizabeth. Um, you can go to this website. It's in the description below where you can sign up, uh, individuals or couples, and... Um, Stream it. You can stream it with your church as well, uh, where there's a, a lot of going to be good information and good sessions. And so the uh, the link below, Women in Apologetics.com, uh, is where it is. Um, Jeremy, if you would uh, maybe kind of touch on or help us understand maybe a little bit, give a little preview of maybe what, I mean, obviously we've been seeing already what you're going to be talking about and kind of the theme of the conference and trying to create this plan for parents, but anything else kind of as I'm showing this information uh, on kind of what you want to encourage them of what they're going to get from this virtual conference? Well, I I
1: think the few things that we want to do, uh, the sessions I have are called Inform, Challenge, Empower. We want to help parents to be able to see how where we are right now in our discipleship process within the church and within uh the children in the church so that as i mentioned at the very beginning of the broadcast we get to a point where we we uh can't unsee what we're going to see at that first session where we we start seeing the the faults, some of which we we've talked about here but they go a little bit deeper than than what we've talked about and and i'll be able to explain in a lot more detail at the conference the second session is to challenge is to help us to tear down those idols that are preventing us from uh building disciples within our families and then the final is to empower and it's not this isn't your this isn't your normal conference. It's called Rebuilding Right. This isn't your normal conference where, you know, we're gonna give you all these principles and you're gonna walk away to figure out how to handle it yourself. It's gonna be very, very practical. You're gonna walk away with tools uh, by coming to this conference. You walk away with the tools. Uh, it's included in, in your your stuff. Uh, we want to be able to help as many families as we possibly can to disciple their kids in the Lord. And then I'm also teaching a workshop uh, um, talking about Biblical discipline and the idea behind as we're disciplining our kids, because we have to discipline our kids. That's what we're called to do as parents. um, How are we supposed to do it? What's biblical discipline look like? How do we need to uh, apply it? What's different than maybe how we discipline our kids right now? And we're going to walk through the importance of laying the right foundation for discipline that will serve your children, not just while they're under your home, but even after they leave your home, because that foundation won't be dependent upon you as parents, but upon Jesus Christ. So we look forward to, to being a part of all of that.
0: Awesome. Yeah, and I'm, I'm excited. And if this will go back to my camera. I don't know why. Hold on, it's not switching. Uh, let's see, camera, there we go. I've taking um, over your show. They, <laughs> my switcher is not working. Uh, yeah, and as you see there, my <laughs> session, and, and again, I love talking with you because my session that I'm going to be talking about here at the conference, as you can see the brief little description there, is why students are bored with their faith. And really what mm-hmm. I think is that they're often bored with the faith because we're staying at that foundational level. It's like being stuck in, you know, second grade math um, <laughs> in fifth and sixth and seventh grade. It's like, can we get past two plus two equals four? Can we learn something else? Okay. And obviously it isn't that basic, but there's, I think, this idea that when we keep at this basic level, uh, that they uh, really do not develop this deep appreciation for something. And so um, that's a little bit what I'm going to be talking about. And I think so much relates to what we have had in this conversation and discussion of kind of some of the issues, some of the things that are missing within the church. So as you can see there, the schedule, uh, Friday night, July 23rd, uh, there's a two sessions at 7.50 p.m. start time. Uh, I guess that's when sessions start, 7.30 p.m. Uh, Eastern time is the this- Opening session, there's gonna be two, uh, the keynote sessions there with Jeremy. And then on Saturday, as you see there, there's the sec- there's the uh, schedule for Saturday with uh, breakouts in the morning. You have two to pick from, break, another two to pick from, break, another two breakouts to pick from, that's when I'm speaking. And then a final closeout from Jeremy, Krista, and then a QA and a panel where you can have your questions. So if that is of interest to you, if there are kids in your life that you want to learn how to better disciple, you can sign up for this conference. Uh, The link, again, if you're watching on YouTube, the link is in the description below. If you're listening after the fact, this is uh, womeninapologetics.com is that conference. And we would love to be able to see you guys there. Now, Jeremy, I know as well as your ministry uh, gives out resources and these plans that you have created, you give these out. So can you maybe mention where, if those are listening here and they go, man, I don't, I don't want to go to the conference. Maybe I'm busy that weekend. Uh, where can they go to get this information to kind of start working on the plan that you have created for them?
1: Absolutely, a couple of things that we want to let you guys know about. You can uh, go to the dot ministries.com uh, and on there you can request one of the uh, we call them blueprints. But they are, they are there for you. We have one that is for, it's called the Discipleship for Life Edition. It's for uh, parents who have kids, fifth grade and under, who are starting that discipleship process, um, and it'll take them all the way through high school. Um the uh we have also a five year plan and this is for anybody sixth grade and older uh, if they're new to the faith or your family's come to faith uh, late or maybe you're just now getting started on being serious about discipleship saying hey, we've been in this elementary level for so so long, we don't know where to begin on on deepening that relationship. And, and my child's already in ninth grade. Um, we would encourage you to start with a five-year plan because it starts at a deeper level. I, I would actually encourage that five-year plan, even for parents who might be saying, hey, I don't even know where to start, right? I, I don't even feel like I'm, I'm up there. So you can get a five-year plan for yourself. Everything that we do PDF-wise, if you ask for a plan uh, on a PDF, it's free. We, don't believe, uh, we believe that discipleship ought to be um, a, a part of what the church is about. We're called to make disciples. We want to make that as, as easy as possible. And also, we would love to, if, if you're not able to be a part of the conference, but the, a conference like that interests you. Uh, we would encourage you to reach out to us at the next dot com to come speak at your church. We would love to come and, and be a part of that to bring that to okay. to your church as well. So um, you can contact us there as well.
0: Awesome. Now I want to kind of finish with maybe an encouragement, and I um, just how. How have you, you've shared this already a little bit, but I kind of want to end with this as well. So if you have something different than what you maybe shared already of, sure. how have you seen as you've implemented these plans, if you've, as you've been working with parents, as you've been encouraging youth pastors and parents and really implementing a lot of this, not just in your church, but teaching other people to do it as well, what have you kind of seen as the fruit, the encouragement that has come from this different way of discipling students?
1: Uh, I, I, you know what? I'll, I'll share what happened in our life group because a lot of our students, uh, both present and past, are part of our life group in my personal life group at church. And our life group is intergenerational. So we have young and old and, and everybody in between. Um, last week, we started talking about uh, some of our kids were going to, I won't name it a church in town, but it was a different church in town. And they sit down and they compare what they're learning with what they already know in the word of God. It was really interesting to hear because they were talking about, I had asked them after walking through this, you know, being in this training for, for as long as you've been in, um, how has that affected how you go to a different church and hear a message? Well, they went to a church and, and they're in this young adult ministry. And they said, yeah, we went down there and there were only two verses of scripture that was shared. And one of them was out of context. It's not that you couldn't get that from the Bible. You can get that from the Bible, but you can't get it from where they were pulling it from, from the Bible. Mm. And it was just interesting hearing them evaluate the very things we were talking about, Colossians 2, 2 Corinthians 10, the idea that they're they're discerning what the Word of God is saying. They're not dependent upon the person who's breaking the Word up there. They themselves are discipled well enough and can go back to the Word of God themselves to say, to be able to say what I would call the amen, you know, how, how can they say the amen to something they don't understand? Right. Well, these youth and these young adults were being able to say the amen. And they said, this is a great outreach ministry, but it's not someplace I can grow. You know, I can grow in my outreach while I'm there, but I'm not going to grow personally while I'm there. I need to find some place that's going to challenge me and, and step me up in that. I didn't have students looking for that, you know, necessarily, uh, by by and large, in large numbers 10 years ago. I'm not right. saying I didn't have any students looking for that. But now they're being trained, and, and <laughs> if anything else, it's ruined them. They can't just go in and enjoy <laughs> because they're evaluating everything as we're called to do. Yeah. You know, I, I, we tell people at our church all the time, don't just say, you know, don't just blanketly believe what me and Pastor Mark say. We want you to be able to study the word of God, make sure what we're saying is true so that you can say the amen and know that it's true. Not because we told you, but because you know. And I think that that's really the biggest difference is seeing them evaluate away from me, away from any planned program or or going out on a mission that we're doing. It didn't do it. They just went out to their their own churches in this area, looking at What's going on here and coming back and saying, this is what I've seen and and this is how I'm evaluating these things. I would say that's been uh, a recent example that really shows the difference that I've seen in uh, the training that's happened here.
0: Awesome. So wonderful. Well, Jeremy, I just so appreciate you taking this time and kind of working through some of the stuff that you're going to be talking about at the conference, as well as helping my listeners, my viewers uh, see kind of the, the problem and solution in maybe a slightly different, unique way that really hits on what we need to do to truly come around and see students growing up as strong, uh, committed followers of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. So thank you so much for coming on and joining. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing you in just a few weeks again online. That sounds good. I look forward to it too. God bless. <laughs> awesome. All right, everybody. Well, hey, a couple things before you leave, a couple quick announcements. Um, this is one of five interviews here in July. We have, if I can pull this up here, um, July 5th on Monday at 1 p.m. Pacific time. Tim Mulhoff, a professor of communications at Biola University, is going to come on to discuss how we can have better conversations on the most difficult topics, both with people outside the church as well as inside the church. And for that interview, his two books, Winsome Persuasion, uh, talking about bringing Christianity to a post-Christian culture, as well as Winsome Conviction, how to disagree over controversial issues but not divide the church. I'm giving away both of those books, both to someone, on Instagram, as well as someone listening here on the live stream. And so you have a chance, head over to the Instagram account, Instagram account, ryanpolly 3 and you could submit uh, your chance to win uh, one of those books or come on Monday, July 5th live for that conversation. And uh, you can also win both those books as well, listening there. On July 13th, I get a lot of questions about how I teach my Bible classes and especially teachers that are emailing me about how to set up curriculum. And so my uh, my colleague in the Bible department, Derek Brover is gonna be joining me July 13th And we're just going to be answering as many questions we have about teaching and how to teach the Bible and teach apologetics to high school students and how we set up our four year curriculum. So if you know of teachers that are interested in that or you yourself uh, join there at 1 p.m. on July 13th, July 19th. At 8 a.m., I'm interviewing Andy Bannister on Do Muslims and Christians Worship the Same God? Andy Bannister is over in the UK, and so it's going to be the afternoon for him, bright early morning here in California here. So if you're interested in that topic, as well as July 30th, the end of the month Q&A, as always, uh, trying to answer your questions and help you uh, learn to respond well to the challenges of culture around you. So a lot is coming up here in July for you to be aware of. Uh, if this conversation was interesting to you, again, go check out the link uh, to Jeremy's website, the thenextgenerationministries.com or .org, I forget, it'll be down below, as well as sign up for the Discipleship Begins at Home conference. And if you've enjoyed this show, subscribe, like it, share it with someone who also might like it. And I will see you on Monday for another conversation on how to talk about difficult topics. Have a great weekend. Have a great rest of your day. God bless everybody and continue to think deeply about God and Jesus because they're worth thinking about. See
1: you later.